Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family, or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Hope y'all had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to episode 65 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. This week's OTC Player of the Week comes to us from Ontario as John Baker takes home the weekly honors. John went 4-0 pitching for Nith River as the Monsters went 6-0 in winning the 2021 Ontario Challenge Cup. Two of his wins came on Sunday as Nith River beat the Shakespeare Falcons 8-6 in nine innings and then outlasted Oshweekin Redmond 6-4 in the final. John also had several key hits and a raft of RBIs over the weekend and was a significant contributor in every game batting third for the Monsters. The Monsters went on to qualify for the 2022 ISC World Tournament with the win. Great job, John, and congrats to Nith River as well. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with University of Hawaii at Manoa alum and Australian Olympian Kaya Parnaby. Kaya has had a tremendous career to date as she was named an NFCA All-American in 2013 while at the University of Hawaii, while also taking home Big West Conference Pitcher of the Year. She also set school and Big West records for wins and strikeouts in a season that same year. Kaya has thrived in her time playing pro over in Japan with the SGH Galaxy Stars, recording over 500 career strikeouts. Kaya has represented the Aussie Spirits at many international tournaments as well, including five Open World Championships, winning two bronze medals. She was instrumental in helping Australia qualify for the Tokyo Olympic Games, pitching in three of the Aussie Spirits' five games at the Asia Oceania Olympic Qualifiers, where the team went undefeated. We're going to talk to Kaya about getting her start in the game down under, her time at University of Hawaii, participating in the 2000 Olympic ceremonies at the Olympic Games in Sydney, as well as her participation in this year's Olympic Games in Tokyo, Japan. Kaya was a treat to chat with, and I'm sure you're all going to love this great chat with one of Australia's best. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. What I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I got the world in my palm, like camera action and song. Ain't never felt this freedom. Could you, could you say that anything goes? Here we go. Kaya, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. How are things going over in Japan? Yeah, pretty good at the moment. We're just training, getting ready for a few more games in season. Um, had a practice game the other day against Denso, but yeah, everything's just rolling along over here. Right on. It's uh, As we record this, it's 6.30 in the morning for you over there. Uh, like I yeah. said, before we started recording, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to put words together, but uh, so... How does the rest of your day play out from here? Is training, practice? Yeah, so usually my alarm goes off at 6.45 anyway, so it's not too much of a difference. Um, But we go to training at about quarter past eight every morning, and we're probably there. Stace and I are pretty lucky. We um, get to go home about lunchtime every day, but the girls will be there until about 4, 4.30. So it's a long day for them, but not too bad for us. Wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah, like yeah, what you mentioned, Stacey. There, I had her on here as well, and she mentioned about you know how how their practices go over there, and and you know it's like yeah. it's pretty much like a full time job. Oh, absolutely. Um, some days are longer than others for us, but our coaching staff over here is really good, and they look after us nice and well to make sure that we don't overdo it for our bodies. Right. Which is good. So is the have you guys started your season? We have. We're currently 8-0, which is awesome. Oh, wow. Um, 
Yeah, we're, we actually got put into Division 2 this year because we didn't have a great year last year. But I, I honestly think being in Division 2 this year for our girls has been just such a game changer for them. Their mindset has become so positive and just, um, I mean, being undefeated even in Division 2 over here is amazing. The hitters and the pitches are still pretty good. So our girls are just having a great year. Awesome. So did you get much of a, a break between Tokyo and your season with SGA there? Um, look, we spent four weeks in quarantine, two weeks in hotel quarantine in Australia, and then two weeks back over here, and then we were straight back into it. We had, um, we did get two weeks with our, with our family, though, back at home in between the quarantine, which oh. was nice, but Sydney's in lockdown, so I kind of just spent it at home anyway. Right on, right on. Jeez, that's, uh, well, at least you got, you got some time with your family, so, I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's the main bit. thing. Yeah. All right, we got the, a little thing we like to uh, start the podcast with, something to, you know, break the ice. Uh, we call it Quick Pitches. I'm going yep. I'm gonna throw out some random questions to you, and you answer them as best you can. <laughs> okay. All right. First one. Okay. What's one thing about the Japanese culture that you absolutely love? Ooh, how polite and respectful they are. Okay. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, to see myself from the outside. Oh, that's a good one. I never even thought of that one. <laughs> I just came to me then. <laughs> uh, best place you travel to in your life? Ooh, um, softball-wise, I love playing in Vancouver. I love playing at Softball City. Uh, but I was lucky enough to go to college in Hawaii, so that's on the top of the list. Right on. Uh, do you have any superstitions or rituals before games? I have to finish my warm-up warm on a curveball every time. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Uh what was the best thing about growing up in Bilgola Plateau? Oh, um, the fact that I was so close to the beach, I did surf lifesaving growing up. So just having the ability, I think I took it for granted, but having the ability to be five minutes from the beach at any time. Nice. I actually, when I was doing my research for you on this, I, I checked it out and man, it looks gorgeous there. Yeah, I, I, it's beautiful. When I get back, when I can get back over there anytime, I love it. Yeah. Uh, if you had to lose one of your pitches, which one is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Probably my backdoor curve. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I do. see. I'm a pitcher as well. I I only have yeah. I have rise, drop, change up. I could oh. I could do without my drop ball. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know if I could do it without mine. <laughs> uh, two more here. Uh, toughest hitter you've ever faced? Oh, that's a tough one. I was actually thinking about it the other day. Um. There's a few, but one of the ones that like I hated facing, and I only had to face her a few times, was Nadia Taylor. Okay. She swings the bat so hard. <laughs> right on. Last one. I I asked Stacy this one when she was on. Uh, Are Vegemite sandwiches really good? Yeah, I love them. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually have Vegemite on an English muffin right now. <laughs> no way. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, uh, one thing we uh, always ask every guest when they come on is uh, tell us when and where you got your start in the game. I was 11 and I was at primary school and my PE teacher uh, put a group of us together in the local comp and I actually didn't start pitching. I was a first baseman and I didn't take up pitching until um, my sister actually was a pitcher and I went to a session with her and my pitching, well, my very first pitching coach happened to be a former student of my mom's and she kind of just recognized me and was like, oh my God, she's got the body type to be a pitcher. I didn't know if I should take offense to that or not at the time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, went from there. <laughs> right on. Now, did I, did I read that, you, you know, you actually got your first taste of the Olympic Games when you were 10? Like, yeah, not so, like, um, when it, it wasn't softball related or anything. No. So my primary school, actually, we auditioned to be a part of the opening and closing ceremony. And my my grade five, grade five class at the time, yeah, um, was a part of the group that got chosen. So I was in the opening and closing ceremony in the Sydney Games. Wow. So, so you got to check out. Did you see any of the any of the action there? Um, I got to see so much of the game. So when, when it was 2000 in Sydney, they actually gave all Sydney New South Wales schools, um, 
holidays for two weeks. So I was on school holidays for the entirety of the Olympic Games. That so is it, awesome. My, yeah, my life was literally spent like jumping on and off the bus. As soon as I got back to the Northern Beaches, like I'd see another family friend. They're like, hey, do you want to come back out to Homebush? And I was like, yes. So like I literally just like was jumping on and off buses with my family and my friends. And um, I spent a lot of time probably in the family area at, at Homebush, which isn't inside any of the um sporting events but they just put this big screen up and like yeah all your families got together out there and and watch sports so it was really awesome out there amazing that's awesome that would be spectacular oh wow that's crazy it was so much fun like i always said anyone if you get a chance to even just go watch olympic games like it's the best atmosphere ever right did you get to see any of the ball games um, I actually didn't play. I, that was the year I was starting out softball. So I didn't actually start my representative career until um, like 2001 when I was 11. Oh, okay. So I was only 10 back then. So I think I went and watched one game, but I wasn't like too sure what softball was back then. It was just like I knew what T-ball was. And um, my PE teacher got us tickets to one of the games, but I couldn't recall who I watched or anything like uh, that. I was more in back then. Right on. So what was, what was the ball system like for you growing up, you know, like from on a competitive level when you were younger? Yeah. So like I just played club ball, which I guess, um, yeah, like we play in school, it's called PWSA. And then I played outside at my local association. Um, and then you get chosen into your association team. So I, um, grew up playing for Manly Oringa and, so you play just rep softball state championships in under 12s and under 14s. And then you don't actually make your first state team or get a chance to make your first state team until under 16s. And that's chosen from um, the state championships. So they choose about 60 players to go to a thing called state camp. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of just break down the squad from there. So that was, yeah, the, the way that we kind of play our representative softball back home to this day still. Okay. What Was there... So was there a moment growing up that you were like, mm, this seems like a fun thing to do and, you know, maybe try and make something out of it? Or was that um, or was that later on? I think when I was about 14, um, my pitching coach was like, look, we've got a we've got a five year plan for you. And I was like, oh, gosh, here we go. <laughs> and her five year plan was like, you're going to make the junior Australian team in 2007. And my mom kind of looked at her and was like, are you crazy? Like, she's not really that athletic. Um and my coach was like, no, she can be a pitcher. And my mom's like, okay. So like we just got stuck into training from when I was about 14. And I think when I made my very first under 16 manly team and I was still technically in the age group below, mm. it was kind of like, okay, this could be something. And then I actually made the state squad when I was still in under 14s. And I was pro- I think I was the only one that was still in grade eight. Um, wow. We're in grade like nine and 10 and I was kind of like, oh my God, these people are like talking about what they're doing for like at home. It's called like your grade 10 formal, Mm -hmm. which is, I guess, like prom in a way. And they were like, I was like, oh my God, I'm in grade eight. Like I've just started high school. Like what is going on? So that was, yeah, that was probably my first into, okay, maybe I could, maybe I could be good at softball. I never thought that I could be representing Australia or I could be playing professionally, but it was like, Maybe I could at least play for New South Wales at one stage. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. like, so growing up, like when you get to U fourteen, U sixteen, and stuff like that. What, yeah. what is like the? I guess it's hard to because you know I'm used to seeing with the US they have a lot of travel ball and you know high school yeah. to get recruit recruited. Is that along the same lines as down there? No. So like I didn't get recruited to go to college until I was in my under 19 team. It was, um, I was probably 17 already. Like I was in my final year of high school and, um, coach Coolum was down and came down to watch our nationals. So we like, I think it's different now, but back when I was playing, like there wasn't, you know, social media, there wasn't anything like that. Like going to co- there was only a handful of us that had even been to college in, in America. Um, so like, it's not, yeah, I think, it's different now, definitely. But back in under 14s, under 16s, we just play it for fun. And then no one actually thinks, well, yeah, when I was there, no one ever thought about going to college back then. It was always like you just go through high school and then you go to uni at home and you kind of get on with your career. You play softball on the side because you can't do it professionally at home. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So what was it like to be named to the Aussie junior team when like at, at that age? Oh, I mean, I was the youngest, so I 
yeah, I was turning 17 that year and obviously in under 19s you've got 17, 18 and 19 year olds. So it was kind of um, a bit surreal to be honest to be, I was the youngest pitcher on the staff and I was getting coached by an Olympian at the time and it was just so awesome. We um, It was my first taste of international ball really. Japan came out early in 2007 and played a series against us and like I look back and I'm, I look back at the Olympic team now and I was like, oh my God, some of those girls were on there, but I didn't know at the time that <laughs> um, <laughs> that's who they were. And then like my junior worlds was in the Netherlands and that was my first real like out of the country besides going to New Zealand um, softball experience. And it was such an eye opening just to see like the standard of softball around the world, especially at an under 19 age group, like, there was some amazing athletes playing out there. Like Megan Langenfield was playing for the US at that time. And like, I look now and I was like, when I played her in the world series in 2010, I was like, Oh my God, I played you like in 2007. Wow. Like there was just incredible athletes around. And so it was really eye opening. It was awesome. That's a crazy. So you were, I think I read like doing my research, of course, that uh, mm. you got to help out, like, you know, help with the 08 Olympic team, like prepare for, with them. Yeah, so I was actually a part of, I guess, the New South Wales squad. So we had a, well, we have an institute called the New South Wales Institute of Sport, and we're a bigger squad. And majority of the 08 girls, I was very fortunate enough, came from my state. So um, I got, I was in that, I guess, the state squad, and I got to train with those girls in the lead up to the 08 games because that they were all from my state. So I was very fortunate in that I got to see and work with a lot of amazing pitchers, a lot of amazing fielders. Um, I was watching one of the relays in one of the games from the outfield to home at one point, and the whole relay was like my New South Wales team, and I just remember thinking, wow, Bav would be really proud of them because, like, they, they nailed it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, that, that, yeah. must, that must have been, you know, pretty crazy feeling at that young of an age, though. Oh my God. It was crazy. I used to think Porter was like, I don't know. She, she always just seemed like on the next level to me. And then when I started playing with her, I was like, Hey, like you were my age now when I was training with you. And I, I just always thought like, yeah, it was funny. Like, I, yeah, just really crazy, crazy times. Do you tell Porter that now? <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever told her she's listening. Hey, Stace. <laughs> oh, so what was it that led to your decision to attend University of Hawaii? Um, look, I don't think there was any one moment in time, but I remember when coach Bob came to me and was like, Hey, you know, like, I think you'd be a really good fit for our program. My mom at the, t at the time she was like, you're going, I'm going to sit on the beach and drink margaritas and I'm going to do your schoolwork and you can just focus on football. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> my, mom, my mom loves the beach. She loves laying on the beach. She loves, you know, being able to be near the waters. She grew up on the Northern beaches. So, um, she was like, yeah, like that's what's, that's what's happening. And all the other Aussies that had gone to Hawaii had had such amazing careers there, had been all Americans, had gone on to represent Australia at Olympic Games. And I just knew that like I idolized all those girls. So I knew that Hawaii would be the right fit for me. And I, I didn't even look anywhere else, to be honest. It was like once I got that offer to Hawaii, mm. I looked into Hawaii and then I committed and yeah, just went from there. Okay. I was going to ask if there was any other schools in the running, but, uh, I, no. I imagine there, I imagine there, there had to be other schools, you know, trying to get you, but, um, to be completely honest, no. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. I don't really know about the recruiting process back then. Um, I never put my name out there and it would have just been on, you know, word of mouth, I mm -hmm. guess. Uh, so I think after junior world's, I think Syracuse got in touch with me, but it had never been like a formal. It had been like, hey, this might be a good school for you. Right. But it, like Hawaii was the only one that ever really offered me anything. Okay, right on. So what do you yeah. what do you remember about arriving in Hawaii? Um, oh, my first trip. Um, I went on, a, I guess I went on an unofficial visit. Me, my mom and my sister went over there and I landed on the island and I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And we actually took my official visit uh, Super Bowl weekend in 2009. So we were down Waikiki laying on the beach and we just heard all this noise coming from the bars and everything on Kalakaua. And we were like, what is going on? And someone's like, oh, the Super Bowl's on. And my mom and I are like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and we were just like, yeah. So like my first, I'd never been to America before. So that was kind of like my first like 
oh wow okay cool um and island life was just so much like what i was used to growing up being right near the by the water just a chilled laid-back environment so as soon as i stepped on the island like i knew that was going to be the right fit for me awesome what was campus life like Ah, chilled. Everyone walked around in like flip-flops, shorts. Um, everyone was just really friendly with each other. Uh, the like lower campus was right near where all the athletic stuff is, is right next to where all my classes were because I was a kinesiology major. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, everyone just was so friendly and like there was a lot of Aussies there at the time I was there. So we all said hey to each other and yeah, I just really enjoyed the laid back environment of Hawaii because that's the kind of person I am. That's awesome. That would be, that would be just awesome to, you know, kick back and, oh, I'm going to play ball as well. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Honestly, best four years of my life. <laughs> what, was there uh, any growing pains, you know, that first year at all? Oh, yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> so in the fall of 09, um, we were playing just an inner squad scrimmage and I left a change up hanging on the outside of the plate and my teammate actually um, smashed me in the face. So that was a definite growing pain. Um, (sighs) Yeah. So I broke my, I broke my zygomatic arch and had an orbital blowout in my very first semester in Hawaii. Um, Yes. Yeah. That was probably my biggest growing pain was like, shoot, these American girls hit a lot harder than, um, (laughs) than the Aussies. Um, But like I, I'd already played internationally, so I already knew that it was a step up from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just getting used to, I guess, American softball because I obviously played one one year internationally, and I don't think I took the diamond against the US. So right. it was just getting used to how hard and like how much power these girls have behind them, and you know, any mistake can hurt. Quite literally. Yeah, I was going to say quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you'd have four impressive seasons with Hawaii there, setting Mm -hmm. school and big West records with wins and strikeouts in the 2013 season. Any any big moments stick out to you from your time there besides the broken nose? (laughs) Um, Look, we got to go to the World Series in 2010. We beat... Uh, we were the 16th seed going into our Super Regionals and we beat Alabama, um, who was number one to get there. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, one that I, I guess one standout moment that only my teammates really know about is the day that my grandma passed away. I had to, I was starting that night and my coach was like, no, 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 you don't need to start. And I was like, no, 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 my grandma would want me to. So I actually pitched and I threw a perfect game. No so way. To me. Um, yeah, my mom was in the stands and yeah, it was special. I imagine it would be. That's amazing. Yeah, so it, it's not one that stands out to anyone else because a perfect game is amazing, but the re- like how it all came about, yeah, that's pretty special oh to me. I am goosebumps right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was really cool. And that was in my uh, my junior year, so that really does stand out to me. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I mean, condolences for your grandma, but I mean, stories like that, that's just, yeah, that's and almost like movies. Like, <laughs> coach Corwin was like, you know, like, and all my other coaches were like, you know, it's okay. Like, you've just found, it. and I was like, no, no, no. Like, I really want to do this. Like, I wanted to play and I wanted to pitch. Um, and then, yeah, that, that just happened. And I remember Steph Ricketts, like, she ran out to me after the game. And it was just such a cool moment because, like my mom was in the stands, my sister was in the dugout with me. And then like I had Steph who I idolized at Hawaii. Like she just ran out to me. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you just spoke about the 2010 women's college world series there. Uh, yeah. what was the atmosphere like at OKC? Oh my God, that was incredible. Like, and I can only imagine what it would be like now. Like mm. this is going what, what 11 years ago now that we were there and it was incredibly crazy like just the amount of people that we played Arizona I think at like 2 a.m in the morning and like there was still the stands were still full like I didn't think we'd have many fans there being from Hawaii um because a lot of people had to travel all the way but like we had Bama fans that changed the signs and it said if you can't beat them join them go bows go wow yeah, so, like, we had Bama fans cheering for us and we, like, there was, like, our shirts got sold out within a day and I, it was just crazy. Like, I'd never experienced that hype before mm. and I'd played at Oklahoma City before but I'd never played in front of that 
that amount of people and that noise and that craziness of what the like the World Series is. Like it was definitely an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, getting getting Bama fans to root for another team that's that's one thing right there. That was massive. Like <laughs> I I do remember when we beat them and like you could have heard a pin drop in the stadium. Like it was crazy. Wow. Um, but then to see them actually support, like they'd obviously already had tickets and everything. They were the number one seed, like mm. little island team. They didn't. No one thought that we were going to knock them off two games. No. Um, yeah, like it was just incredible. And then so they had tickets and they either kept them and came and supported us, or just came and supported the whole thing in general. Or they actually some of them sold their tickets to our families. So that was really nice of them as well because at the time it was sold out and we only had so many people we could put on our on our pass list. Right. Um, so yeah, it was it was really nice. They were again, we were scared to go out in Tuscaloosa at the end of the night. We were like, oh my god, if we were anything Hawaii, they're likely to kill us. <laughs> but they were really supportive of us, and we just we I remember walking in and they were like, oh my god, congratulations and stuff like that into just a local restaurant. So that was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's still I like after this year's World Series, seeing the you know the the upgrade they did to the facility and everything. I mean, oh God, it's just incredible. unreal. You know the the, yeah. the way the 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 game is going in the NCAA. I mean, it's it's awesome to see. Absolutely. Um. So, what were some of the things you took away? You know, with you from your time there, that you know would it help you along your way in your career? Do you think? I think resilience was a big thing. Um. You get knocked down so much at college. Like you could, you, you you play so many games in a year. You're not going to be perfect every game. So I think especially like I put so much expectation on myself my senior year um, and my junior year as well that I learned to be very resilient in like in myself and in my ability and just knowing that if you didn't have a good game, like you could always bounce back from it and there's always things to work on. So I think I learned a lot about myself at Hawaii and, and who I am as a pitcher and just who I, who I was as a person. I lived away from home for four years without my family and I was, I was young and it was not like I was only a a four hour flight to the mainland or something like I was an 11 hour flight back to Australia. So I learned a lot about myself and how to be resilient and how to, how to do things, I guess, for myself. That might sound like normal growing up, but um, it was just, yeah, being independent and knowing that, and that, and that kind of led on from led on to here because I left Hawaii and basically had six months at home and came straight over here. So I haven't really been at home or lived, lived. I'd, I never lived with my parents again. Let's just put it that way. Since I moved out to go to college in two thousand and nine, so it was a lot of learning about myself and yeah, I guess that I've taken that into my career now. Oh, wow. So, so you went to like six months after you were done Hawaii, you, you went to Japan? Yeah. So I graduated from Hawaii in May, 2013. And then I actually moved up to Queensland in the August of 2013 to be closer to my pitching coach. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I literally packed two suitcases to move up to Queensland for what I thought was going to be a year and eight years later, I was still there. So yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I went. I went up to Queensland in August of 2013, and then started my career over here in March of 2014. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I want to jump over to the Aussie Spirits. Um, yep. What was it like to join the team at you know 18 years of age and make your deb- debut at the 09 Canada Cup? Oh my god, it was um. It was, it was crazy. I was literally saying the other day, like, I just, I never expected to, to make that team to be like back then you were announced, you got a phone call, um, phone call or an email, or you just found it on the web. And I never expected to read, like read my name on the website. And it was just incredible to see my name with those people. Like, Mm the whole squad or the whole team from the 08 games didn't retire. There was still a massive chunk of them there. And to have my name down next to some of them, like I was just like, is this real life? And then, you know, I got on the plane to go up to Canada cup and I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is crazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It was like, 
my very first like my very first roommate was Danielle Stewart and she was so amazing like she took me under her wing and she always just you know made sure I was there when we were going to breakfast when we had dinner when we had to be somewhere like she was always like hey you ready like it's time to go mm-hmm. so it was nice to just have one of the, the senior players who like had been on the national team for quite some time just really take me under her wing and and kind of help me along the way and always make sure that I was never left out or by myself right. so that was really yeah that must that must be really good you know especially for the nerves especially for a pitcher oh absolutely and then i had like tracy tracy mosley like she caught me and like i don't know like she'd been around the game for so long and just to have some what like someone so wise and so talented behind home plate really just nurture me and like she how supportive she was like in my first like in my first few starts up there mm-hmm. and in my whole career as she caught me like it yeah, just to have someone behind the plate like her was just amazing and incredible. No doubt. Now, besides this year's Olympics, what yeah. are what are some other big moments that you look back on and they're like, you know, that's pretty special? Um, we didn't perform very well at my first world championship, but my first world championships, um, I was 19 and it was in Venezuela back in 2010. So that to me will always be special because it was a first for me. But I think the two bronze we won in Whitehorse and in um, the Netherlands, they'll always stand out for me because they were such team fights and we were so close to like, you know, winning that game to get into the gold medal game. But we had some such good like team fights to actually secure that just to get into that bronze medal game. Like we always had tough games against Canada and it always came down to like, the last the last innings or something like that so yeah just how we got into those games and those two championships itself will always stick out to me right on. i always i always like mention this to anybody that's been to white horse that i've talked to on yeah. here how did you uh how did you like the the constant daylight up there <laughs> look i think i i think my room was quite lucky because my blackout blinds actually blacked out whereas some <laughs> others like still had the light coming through so I actually didn't mind it because when I like closed the blinds, like my room was pitch black and I could sleep. Right. But I know some of my other teammates, like I wasn't getting to sleep until two, three in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't mind it. It was quite cool. I, except I kept thinking like, what would this be like in winter? I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Oh, and it's because it's constantly dark. I think it's crazy that they have, yeah. they have no lights there at the facility for the game. Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, you're hosting a world championship and uh, there's no lights. <laughs> yeah, it was an awesome facility. Like, I really liked it though because it was very like the stands were like on field level. You really felt like the crowd was in there with you. Like, actually, right. when we were playing Canada, that was crazy though. I felt like they were on top of us. Yeah, but, that would be um, awesome. <laughs> that was really cool. This It was so, like, I just, the vision that I have is like, it was so busy. Like that's all I can think. Like there was so many people there and everyone was in red and white. And here we are like the only standouts in green and gold. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we like to support our, our country up here. I can tell you that. Absolutely. Um, do you remember where you were and when you got word that softball will be back in the Olympics? Actually? Yeah. I, I don't know if I was legitimately at this place in time or we just so happened to be there the day someone asked us but we I think the one thing I remember about softball being put back in the Olympics is Stace, Mel and I were actually in Kyoto and we were actually going to the Golden Temple that day and we filmed the video saying how excited we were that softball was back in in the Olympic movement and I want to say that I was there that day so I, I, I wonder I really, I really need to talk to Stace about it, but I wonder if that was the day we actually found out. Yeah. Cause that's all that sticks into my head. I do remember filming that at the golden temple and we were like, it was just kind of just like, Oh my God, we're in Japan. Yeah. That's we crazy. Back in the Olympics and we're going to one of the world heritage sites in the golden temple. So yeah, I remember filming the video there. Wow. That was cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how special was it when you won the qualifiers over China nine, three, you guys were in Shanghai, I believe, you know, to punch your ticket to Tokyo. Oh, that was one of the most crazy memorable moments of my whole entire life. Like the girls, I've, 
and I think every I think we've all said this, but we've never seen our like our girls hit like that. Like they were a mach- like they were machines. Like we struggled into the first five innings against Chinese Taipei, and then as soon as as soon as we started scoring there, I don't think we ever let down. And I think usually when I let I give up runs early in a game, like I'm freaking out. Like I'm like, oh my god, like what have I just done? <laughs> and when I gave up runs to China in the first couple of innings, like I was so calm. And my teammates just turned to me and were like, we've got you, don't worry. And then all of a sudden they've come out and scored those nine runs. And I was like, all right, they were they were on point today with what they were saying. They definitely did have that. <laughs> um, but it was just so crazy. Like I remember throwing that last pitch to Bell and then us just running towards each other. And all of a sudden I got tears like streaming down my face and I've got my teammates all around me. And I was just like, we just did that. Like we're actually going to the Olympic Games now. Like it was crazy to think that all that hard work we'd put in, um, even before we knew we were going to be in the games, like all the all the work we'd put in over that ten year period in the lead up to the qualifiers, like had just paid off for us. And I think we were just so happy that we could do it, not just for us, but everyone that had come before us and the squad members with us in the stands that couldn't actually be on the field with us playing. Mm. So I think it was special that we could do it for everyone at home and who was there with us. That's awesome. Yeah. That had to be an amazing feeling. And it, oh, yeah, good. as a pitcher, getting that run support, man, that's great. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. It's like a weight off the back. Absolutely. Yeah. Now talking about the emotions of getting there, what was the emotions like when they canceled the games initially? That had to be tough. It was, but I think it came at a very good time personally for me. Um, they when they basically told us that it had been postponed, we already had found out that our Japanese first half had been cancelled. So I already knew I was going to be in the country for an extended period of time. Um, and I think I got a little bit overwhelmed at the amount of training that they told us and camps we were going to do in the lead up to the Olympic Games and then how long we were actually going to be away from home. Um, and then once they told us it was postponed, all of a sudden it's like, you guys get a two-month break. Oh. And my body just went, hallelujah. <laughs> I haven't had more than two weeks off since I went to college in 09. So, like, for me to have two months off, like, I didn't even know what that was. And I was upset that it was postponed another year because that meant, you know, my teammates and my friends had to, you know, hold off, you know, mm. having 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 kids, getting married, right. like, th- you know, things that were going to happen post-Olympics for a lot of us. Um, so they had to postpone, I guess, their life a little for another year. But that was a sac- well, not a sacrifice. It was a choice that we all made that we were all going to stick in it together. Like they had the they had the chance to say, "Hey, can't do it." Um, my family would like we just want to start our life. Mm. But you know, they all said, "No, this is the choice we're making. We we're going to be in this together for until we, until we until we complete the mission of you know." going to the Olympic Games, getting selected on that team, everyone put their lives aside. And I think just having those two months off when it got postponed was probably a blessing in disguise, not just for me, but for a lot of us, because we got to step back from the game and really do what we wanted to do and really focus on our friends and our family and just our health in general, because COVID right. was, was going wild and we were in lockdown. But yeah, I just really, I took it, I just took it on and, you know, enjoyed the, enjoyed the time I had with no softball and just my um, CrossFit gym and my gym in, in Queensland, the um, QAS, they, they lent us all, all the equipment we basically needed. And one of my mates is a builder and he built me um, basically a pull-up rack and a squat, a squat rack from just like wood. Wow. That was really cool. So I had a squat rack in my backyard. Um <laughs> And that was, that was probably the best thing that had ever happened. Like we could still, I could still work out. I could still do that. And that kind of kept us sane through the whole lockdown. And I enjoy doing that. So it was kind of nice to step back from softball for a little bit and do something else I enjoy without it getting in the way of training. So yeah, the, the postponement, it definitely was a dampener, but we all took it in our own stride. And I think that's, yeah, I, um, I look back at it now and I'm grateful that we had it. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, I never even thought about you know getting the being able to get that break that your your body definitely probably needed. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm I. It goes both ways. Like some people obviously were so ready for 2020 to come around, and they were priming their body for that. And they like, I guess, 
the postponement would have hit different people differently, but I'm at a different part of my career where I wasn't finishing my career after 2020. Mm. So I took it, I I was able to take the break in stride and realize that there was bigger things to come the following year. Right. Um, so yeah, that I was lucky enough that I, I was never, I never had in my mind that my career was ending. So. Right on. So you guys, you guys got word that everything's set to go in 21, 2021 this year. Uh, yeah. Must've been pretty good pick me up. Oh, absolutely. When they, when the dates got announced and they said the schedule was the same and, and everything, like we had a go time, we had a date, we had something to work towards. Um, we weren't just living in, I guess, limbo going, is it going to be canceled? Is it going to get postponed? You know, the media had put it out that, oh, well, they've never rescheduled Olympic games before. And the last one that got canceled was in Tokyo and it just got canceled, but it was in war times. Right. So, you know, like you always had, you always had that in the back of your mind that, well, they might cancel it. But then when you got that final date, it was like, well, it's go time now. This is what we're preparing for. And I think once we had that date, um, Softball Australia and our high performance team, I guess, did a little program for us called Back to Softball. So like they gave us like little steps. So we didn't throw our bodies completely into softball. They gave us like progressions to work through. So when we did get back throwing and being on the field or swinging the bat, we didn't overdo it and end up with an injury because we'd had time off. Hmm. So once we had that date, they really worked for that. And then they worked with me, Stace and Elle as well um, to get us back over here, ready to play before everyone else back home. Right on. Yeah. So walk us through the games. I know, I know it wasn't the outcome you were looking for, but from a personal yeah. perspective, how was it? Uh, the, the experience is once in a lifetime. I enjoyed every moment of what the Olympic movement was and um, being a part of the, the bigger Australian Olympic team. I think I didn't have the games that I hoped for either. And so that's kind of disappointing because, you know, as a pitcher, you pride yourself on your performance and you pride yourself on, on leading the team to help them set, to help set them up for their performance. And Mm. I didn't do my job. So I, I feel like in a way, like I let them down, but I've, I've looked back on my performance and I've reflected on it and I've moved forward because I had to, because I do this for a living. So I had to, you know, move on to be better for the next game already. But just the experience in itself is, I let's put it in this way. The Australian softball team has never, well, in my lifetime, has never been to a multi-sport event. And to be able to be at a multi-sport event where you're surrounded by all other athletes all over the world from all different sports and watching them go through their routines, what they do, watching them succeed, and especially in Australian headquarters, like watching watching like our swimmers go out and performing and then coming home and we get to celebrate their wins or basketball or athletics or anything like that. Like we actually got to be there and celebrate their successes. And because I've only been to a softball, a softball world championship or an international event with just softball, we've never had the opportunity to be around other sports while they're performing at their, at their top. So I think the fact of a multi-sport event was really cool for us because it was the first time we've experienced it. Yeah. It was just, it was a cool thing to be a part the village just everything about the Olympic games, the, like how professional they make us feel. Um, and just, yeah, every little interest intricacy of the Olympic games outside of the actual playing softball. Right. Was really it, cool. was it weird playing in front of no fans though? Um, yeah, no, I was doing a call with softball Australia the other day and they asked us about our opening game against Japan. And to be completely honest, it felt like there was people in the stands because of how much media there was. Because uh, obviously media were allowed in the stadium and there was so much media in the stadium for that opening game that it felt like there was people in the stands. Right. But I also said that in all our other games, it didn't feel it didn't feel too like you looked up the stands and you didn't see people. Yeah, that's that's really sad and I, I wish people could have been allowed in there. But we're called the Aussie Spirit for a reason, and we do create our own atmosphere, just being us. Yep. So we created our own atmosphere. We didn't feel like there was nothing. Like mm-hmm. we're the Aussie Spirit. We do that ourselves. We know how to do that. We've always done that. So I think in that sense, like it would have been cool to feed off some some fans. But in the way, like in the state the world was with the whole COVID pandemic, like we completely understand the safety 
-hmm. And yeah, it was just a blessing that we got to play and we got to be there. And yeah, we created our own atmosphere and we made work with our media guy in the stands or some of the Australian Olympic team officials in the stands and we'd hear them every now and again. So that was kind of cool as well. Yeah. Now I, I found, you know, watching it on TV and I was yeah. saying this to Erica Polidori, I had her on right after the Olympics. And I said, the coolest thing for me personally was being able to hear you guys talk. Cause if, yeah. if there was a crowd there, you wouldn't be able to hear you guys talk because of, because of no. the noise. And, you know, as a player, I, I thought that was pretty cool to be able to, you know, hear somewhat the interactions between you guys. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a, I guess that's a positive because, you know, like I've been to so many world championships, pardon me, um, where you can't hear your catcher or you can't communicate on the field because you can't hear your teammates. Right. And yeah, I, that's one thing I actually hadn't thought of that until now. Like we had no communication issues because we could literally just, my catcher could walk out to me and I could literally just have a normal conversation with them because yeah. we weren't dealing with the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought it was pretty cool anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's next for you? Obviously continuing on in Japan, but uh, what are some of the long-term visions you see for yourself? Um, well, look, we've got world games next year and I'm definitely hanging around to there. At the moment, I'm kind of just taking it year by year and seeing how my body goes. Mm -hmm. um, look, if 2028 rolls around and my body's still kicking, if 2032 rolls around and my body's still kicking, I highly doubt it. But look, <laughs> you you don't know in sport and I've seen crazier things happen. Um, but yeah, I'm just taking it year to year. I'm doing a master's degree in education at the moment. So career-wise, I hope to become a PE teacher one day, PE or science. Right. And yeah, so they're just like, I'm just taking it year by year and hoping my body holds up and I'll definitely be around next year. And maybe when I finish my playing career, I'll move into a coaching spot on the national team. Cause that would be, I'd love to be able to mentor the pitchers coming through. Cause I've had, I had some pretty good coaches coming through the program and I'd love to be able to get back. Right on. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, little thing we end the podcast with. I call it the player association. I'm going to, yep. I'm going to throw out some names for you. You can, okay. you can say as much or as little about them as you want. Okay. And I'm going to start with Stephanie Ricketts. <laughs> she was honestly my best friend going through college. Uh, I couldn't have got through my four years without her. She was even there my senior year and helping me throughout everything. So yeah, absolute legend. All right. Uh, next one is I'm familiar with his past guest of the show. Uh, cheese, Andrew Kirkpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Cheesy. Um, the last, when did I start working with him? The last two and a half years, I've, I've never had a left-handed pitching coach before. Oh. And to have someone like him who could actually see, see the ball spin the way I see it and not have to try like change it over for me. Mm -hmm. Like we just had some, really good, honest communication. And he, he's the reason I can throw a change up today. Like, yeah, he helped me so much. I'm very, I'm very grateful for everything he has done for me over the last, gosh, how many years? Yeah. He's, he's a legend on our side of the game here. I can tell you that much. Yeah. And, oh. he, and he can hit a pitcher that can, that can hit a ton too. That's, that's a rare combination. Yeah. And I mean, being as tall as he is, I'd be even scared to throw to him. Like, <laughs> I know. Even if he, even if he couldn't hit. I, even if you just got in the box, I'd be like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Uh, uh, next uh, guest we're going to have on here in a few weeks, uh, Gabby Plain. <sighs> Gabs. Oh, there's so much I could say about her. She's so sweet. Just humble and everything. Like, she, the, the career she's had at Washington is incredible and just the way she's so humble about it. And I just love watching her pitch. Like she's had some of these Japanese hitters pirouetting because they don't see her spin. Um, yeah, I just love watching her pitch. I actually squatted behind home plate, like behind the net, obviously, um, to watch her throw a couple of times when we were at training camps. So watching her is incredible. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's going to be in – LA in 2028. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last one, certainly not least, Stacey Porter. 
Uh, Stace, uh, we've been through so much. Like she's been over here ever since I've been here. I consider her part of my family. Uh, we can live cohesively and we don't need to speak every day. Like I always know she's there if I need her. Like if I need to call her at 2am, she'll probably kill me for it, but I'd, <laughs> I'd call her. Um, yeah, we've just got such a good relationship. And yes, I consider her family and she is the greatest of all time. Awesome. Well, yeah. Kaya, I got to thank you for coming on, especially at 630 in the morning. <laughs> it's uh, you know a pleasure to have you on. You're a big part of the the women's game, you know, not only in Australia, Japan, but across the world. So, uh, you know, for you to come on here, I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. Thank you. I'm not gonna let me go crazy. Not this time. Stepped out of my house in seven days Heaven shaved, heaven showered, heaven changed Same clothes, different day Another good morning, pissed away Hey, got the whole world looking right at me Actually, feels like people starting to look past me I've been around Feels like this just might be a last dance I'm frustrated, I'm past tense I still don't feel like I has been I don't, but it's like a ghost town up in the studio Nobody comes around here no more I guess it's just how the movie go uh, I don't like playing my old friends' new songs They don't listen to rap like back when They all grew up, kinda moved on And how could I blame them, huh? I used to sleep, eat, and breathe this shit But now the older I get I'm questioning if I really needed this I used to stress what people said And what people thought about me Now I worry about if my daughter Can make it home from school without me But still at the same time As I'm writing this rhyme I'm in my kitchen My daughter's trying to tell me about a day I hear but not really listening I'm staring at her But in my head I'm putting these words together I know that I need to do better Cause what I do now could change forever Shadows swimming in my head lately But I don't mind I'm not gonna let me go crazy Not this time These days and musically I feel confused don't know what I'm like in these days I just think it's time to check all the new shit plus all of the Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again.